everyone. Welcome to First Responder Friday. My name is Conrad Weaver. I am your host for the program. And today we have a special guest once again, who is going to talk about mental health and wellness during the holidays. Nick Greco is the president and founder of C3 Education and Research. He is a board certified expert in trauma stress. He's a CIT instructor for the Chicago Police Department and other agencies in Northern Colorado. He's also on our advisory board for PTSD 911 documentary. So Nick comes today and he's gonna be sharing with us some of his, uh, some of his insights on dealing with holiday stress and we'll see his interview in just a minute but today's show is brought to you by ptsd 911 documentary the film that raises awareness helps smash the stigma of asking for help and inspires change in agencies around the country we are looking for people like you who are passionate about the first responder community and want to help us tell the story Visit PTSD911movie.com, that's PTSD911movie.com, to make a contribution toward our film. Support the film. Go there and uh, share it with your friends and family. Make a contribution and help us out. Help us get this documentary produced and made so that we can bring it to you and to the rest of the world. Also, we would love to have your feedback on this program the First Responder Friday program. So if you would go to Apple Podcasts, smash the subscribe button and leave us a review. That would be awesome if you would do that. It would help us to get some feedback for what you hear, what you like, what you don't like, that sort of thing. And you can please share the, please feel free to share this podcast with your friends, your family and everyone you know, so that we can spread the word about what we are doing, not only with the show, the podcast, but also with the documentary film. And just a disclaimer, we had a bit of audio issues with the interview today, so please forgive us for that. And now here's my interview with Nick Greco. Nick, how hey. are things going in Illinois? Uh, pretty good. Just uh, hanging in there like everybody else across the country. So, uh, you know, uh, between COVID and uh, all the other things that are happening, the holidays coming up, well, we're all hanging in there, right? <laughs> How did you get involved in the first responder community? What's your background? Oh, wow. That's uh, that's like a whole other podcast. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I, I got um, I probably have been involved probably since the late 90s uh, with a lot of my work with uh, post-traumatic stress disorder. And I've always, for well over 20 years, uh, in various roles I've had, uh, consulting or um, adjunct roles and stuff, I've always uh, had first responders uh, crossing paths with me. And uh, really around 2014 was when um, I started C3 uh, Education and Research. And uh, we entirely uh, work with first responders. And a lot, a lot of our focus is on law enforcement. Uh, but I got, I got involved um, really since the late 90s have just been um, doing this uh, full time since really 2014. And so I do uh, crisis intervention training, the CIT training, officer wellness, um, various uh, workshops on post-traumatic stress and uh, family and officer uh, wellness, all those type of things. So uh, it's just a tremendous uh, amount of need for those type of resources and trainings now. And, uh, you know, unfortunately, we, we, we're seeing uh, somewhat of a reduction in trainings because of COVID and um, budgetary issues. Uh, so that's been a little bit uh, of a struggle. But uh, one, of the, one of the fun things to do is to, uh, 
you know, bring in the family as well as the officers uh, or, or EMS or fire. And you, and you have like a family um, workshop and, and, and those type of things. I, I do like four or six hour workshops. And, and, and that really kind of uh, for even the most seasoned officer, the family gets a really good idea of what some of the things that are going on. It opens a, a dialogue and really, uh, really helps uh, people to understand some of the um, ups and downs of the career and uh, some of the things to look for and uh, post-career planning. So mm-hmm. what have you seen this year in just with COVID? Have you seen just an uptick in stress and, and obviously we've seen some increases in suicides in, you know, this year, what have you seen in your work? What I've seen is I have a lot of, um, I have a lot of friends. I have a lot of colleagues. I have, um, I have parents of officers that have been reaching out. Uh, so I can tell you and that my phone, uh, my text, um, they kind of, uh, every day I'm getting many messages and getting people connected into therapy, uh, talking with people, um, you know, recently, um, I worked with an officer. We got him into uh, an intensive partial program uh, because the stress of not only the job, you know, we've had so many on top of COVID this year, which has been uh, problematic for some departments looking for PPE and officers being worried about exposing their family and friends and, and themselves gain it. And we've seen in line of duty deaths uh, a tremendous tremendous increase. Uh, I think we're uh, well uh, on to about 100, uh, possibly over 100 now, uh, line of duty deaths just from COVID alone. Uh, And that's on top of, you know, the other line of duty deaths uh, that are happening. So we're seeing line of duty become extremely uh, problematic this year because of COVID. But on top of COVID, there's been these, um, you know, movements and really, and I'll, I'll be, you know, I'm going to say, I, I really think it's a rather foolish reactionary movement. Uh, people talk about defund the police and it's like, well, um, I, I don't know really what that means because I hear so many people talk about defunding the police and it's like, well, you know, okay. So you all take that money from one place, put in another. And then what do you do when you run out of money? completely and then you have no you have longer response times and things so this is also weighing in on officers reevaluating their career I, i've seen officers with 15 17 years on the service and they're like yeah, i'm going to retire now i'm done i'm done with this uh some people have just left um the police force other people are like i'm out in a, another year or two um and they're just kind of at, at the point of well you know if i don't have the support from my department, I don't have the support from the community. What is the point of doing this job? You add all that on top of the, the normal stress of the job, the normal, mm-hmm. you know, the, the traumatic incidents, the, the, you know, the crazy stuff that goes on in law enforcement. You add all that on top of it. I can just see how this can just build and build and build where there's got to be a relief valve someplace and it doesn't seem like that's coming. Well, and, and, and that's one of the things that I highlight a lot in my trainings is that highlight reel that officers have after 5, 10, 15, 20, 30 years on the job. Uh, that highlight reel is not going to go away once they retire. 
And that relief valve that you're talking about is so important. And when we talk about a relief valve, that is communication and, and talking. It's, it's that simple. It's talking with your partner, talking with your loved one, your spouse, um, talking with people who can either be objective or at least be a sounding board for you. But so many officers don't want to talk, don't want to communicate. And then this builds up. Um, and ultimately, you know, when it builds up, it comes out in uh, more negative ways. Uh, people cope by drinking, by uh, gambling, by having affairs, by buying expensive things. All of that are just very temporary things that essentially make the situation worse. So, um, you know, we talked about, you know, COVID, we talked about um, defund the police, we talk about uh, the stress of the job, all these things now are impacting on top of all that cumulative stress. And so without a relief valve, without some way to decompress, to uh, work through those problems that you're having, the stress of the job, it just builds up and builds up. And eventually it's going, you know, the if you don't have a relief valve, it, the relief valve is the top of that bottle coming off. So, you know, as you come through the year, we're approaching the holidays and we we're yeah. in December now. Yeah. And, you know, we've been through Thanksgiving. Now we have Christmas and New Year coming. And so you have more pressures. You have, you know, uh, more COVID restrictions where we can't get together with friends and family and can't have those kind of, you know, bonding relationships and experiences. I can see where the stress would discontinue to increase. And, and how do you deal with that? Well, for a lot of, a lot of first responders, they're used to missing holidays, right? Um, but they do make up those holidays. This year, they're not going to be really able to make up those holidays, right? And so how, how do you deal with the stress? And I said, that's like a million dollar question. And, and really, it's going to be um, a, a number of ways. One is because of the exposure that we see across the country, uh, the hospitals filling up, we see um, people that continue to be diagnosed positively and have um, uh, cases which are increasing. Yeah. One of the things is, you know, we're going to have to make an exception and accept this year as being a very unique year and a year where we kind of have to just be with our immediate family inside our home, uh, not where we're inviting other extended family and, and such. And uh, in, in this means, you know, our parents, uh, we can't come over, we can't visit them. Uh, and that's very tough. Uh, there are people taking that risk. Uh, and you know what? Um, that is their choice, but it's not recommended. Um, so, you know, we have to accept the limitations. And this is something that unfortunately is a little bit out of our control of how this virus um, is uh, affecting us. However, uh, what we can control is our exposure, how we can be smarter about uh, doing things. Uh, think about, you know, the risk. Now, even if we're okay and the people are okay. Uh, there's a lot of asymptomatic, uh, exposure. And so just because you're okay, doesn't mean, uh, somebody else in your extended family doesn't get this, um, you know, and potentially harm them. So we have to be very uh, careful on that. Uh, yeah, what you said is that, you know, what we can control, there's many things we can't control. 
I think that's a really a key to, to being healthy, right? It is. And I think it's, it's all accepting the limitations of what we can and can't do. We're, you know, we can't stop bad behavior. Um, every cop knows that, right? It, it, um, but we can't, we can't prevent bad things necessarily from happening. However, what we can do is deal with our own situation and think about um, our loved ones and really the loved ones of other people. So, um, you know, for all the listeners out there, you know, I hear a lot of people thinking about, well, uh, if I don't wear, you know, I don't, why should I wear a mask? Um, you know, I've been exposed to so much stuff before in the past. Well, you know, that's an illusion of invulnerability. Um, we have to think about wh- where's that coming from? Is that th- that's not a way to control our fear. Um, that's not a way to safely, uh, deal and adapt to this. Um, wearing a mask is not, you know, harming your, not taking away your rights. Uh, if I, for, to the officers out there, um, you know, if, if I said, well, you know, wearing that, wearing a, uh, a vest and body armor that, that takes away your rights or having, uh, you know, extra magazine on your duty belt. That's, uh, you know, uh, what do you need that for? That, that would make no sense. Right. So, uh, and same thing for, you know, any of the other, uh, first responder professions, all these things are protective. It's, it's another level of safety. And that's what I, I want to implore to people about wearing a mask, right? That, that, that's really what we're, we're dealing with here. It's just another form of protection. And yeah, I know there's a lot of debates about that, but um, that what you can control, how you can give yourself a some semblance of control of your environment and protecting your friends and family is to wear that mask. Um, you know, if you're having doubts about wearing a mask and such, just, just think about simply a person fighting cancer right now. They're wearing a mask, right? And think about if they got COVID, think about if you spread COVID, if you gave them COVID, what, what could that do to them? So it's, it's really, thinking about the human condition and how we can help others, not just ourselves. Uh, and there's, I, I, there's been, you know, I know it was a horrible rollout with the masks and everything. Oh, you didn't need masks and everything. So you, everyone got mixed messages, but remember with a brand new virus, a brand new disease, there's going to be a daily change of things we discover because there's hundreds of scientists working on this. So, um, and this is the one thing too, we have to use our brain here and critically think about this and what's really happening. And what's really happening is that, um, there's tremendous amount of changes going on uh, every day in the science. So I don't want to, I don't want to get too far off to this, but you know, in coming into the holidays too, you all, you often have new or renewed, uh, you know, relationships with your family members or extended family members. And sometimes there's, there are, you know, old things that have gone mm-hmm. on that rise to the surface. So you have those additional stresses. What can someone do preparing for maybe a family gathering or, yeah. you know, coming into that kind of situation where you're going to experience some additional stress? Well, you know, like at Thanksgiving, uh, you can, you know, if people haven't already burned the bridge at Thanksgiving and brought up old things, um, and that's a great way to save money on Christmas presents, by the way. <laughs> no, but in all seriousness, um, you know, I, I, have said this before and, and a light bulb goes off to some people. I say, you know, sometimes eliminating the toxic people in your life. And especially if you're related to them is not a bad thing. Um, when 
when there are people that know how to push your buttons and who knows how to push your buttons better than family. Okay. When we think about that, when we think about family members who, you know, want to rehash things from the past, settle old scores and, and such, is that really how you want to spend the holidays? And sometimes, you know, and this year is kind of helpful because we don't have to get in, uh, you know, we're not really mean with people in person. So you can do zoom calls or just a phone call and, you have the limitation there. You can set the limit five or 10 minutes. Oh, okay. Uh, Aunt Pat, I understand. Uh, you know what? I got to go. The turkey's in the oven. I got to go. The, the kids need me to help them with homework. Uh, so you can set those limitations. So, you know, don't be afraid to eliminate the toxic people or limit the, your exposure to the toxic people in your life. Um, however, if you do have people you're living with uh, that are, you know, in that type of situation, you know, a lot of times that calls for therapy. A lot of times it calls for a, co a simple conversation about, you know, what's working and what isn't working. Uh, so many times we accept bad behavior because they're family and that's bad behavior is bad behavior, whether you're family, a friend or not. Um, you know, behavior that doesn't make you feel good behavior that doesn't um, help a situation is never tolerable. You know, I think another situation that, most of us have, you know, struggled with over the last, you know, few years is the social media interaction. You know, sometimes it's it's so helpful just to get off of Facebook or yes. get off of, you know, Twitter and just ignore that for a season. I know uh, I haven't done it recently just because of my business and having to keep yeah. things going. You know, that's difficult. But I know my daughter, uh, she for like here last, I think last summer, she was off of all social media for like a whole month. You know, it's just that cleanse of just getting away from all that toxicity, especially in the, you know, the political environment that we've been through. You know, it. I think that can really help to kind of clear the mind and, and keep you from, you know, having, you know, I, I feel <coughs> stressed when I read things on Facebook or whatever that kind of raises my blood pressure. You know, I think those are some things that perhaps we can do as well. So, yeah. So, so a few tips about that. And that's another way to reduce your stress is take media holidays. Um, also, don't, you know, you don't have to, you're not going to really lose that much by taking a day or two off. Um, I know like when, when I was traveling, um, I know that what I purposely do, and I don't have Facebook on my phone. I have Facebook only on my laptop. So I'm, that's a great disconnect for me. Secondly, um, I know I don't, I don't check Facebook when I'm on a trip, um, <clears throat> just because, um, my mind is focused on my business and, and such, um, keep your Facebook and a business profile separate. Um, you know, I always tell first responders, especially law enforcement, um, really, if you're going to do social media, don't, but if you really have to, um, keep things very private, maybe use an alternate name. Don't post things that can, uh, get you later. Um, you know, stay out of any kind of thing that can bring any kind of reproach upon you or your department, anything. Cause there's tons of people out there looking just to, um, you know, to get you, um, especially in this environment now, yeah. you know, the way things are now there's so many yeah. trolls out there sometimes there's there's yeah don't feed the trolls basically and really just limit limiting your media exposure can be very helpful because um and and this goes right down to it don't be you know there's a lot of friend requests you know don't don't be afraid not to take a friend request maybe get rid of some people that are not that are so negative um and i found that sometimes 
if I and I've I've done this before. I've had some people on Facebook that I just I just got tired of their feed. You got tired of their. Mm-hmm. But you know, I was a friend, so I didn't want to necessarily unfriend them. So I just unfollowed them. Yeah. And so I don't see their feed anymore. And mm-hmm. that is so refreshing. Yeah, stay friends, but uh, don't follow their feed, and and you know, and that's what you do. Um, and you know, but I, I've dropped people on LinkedIn too that have been getting so political where it's. It's like, you know what? Um, I don't, I wouldn't want to do business with you. That's the funny thing on LinkedIn is where you see people really getting into these huge debates. And it's like, um, you know, you're representing your company or your business. So, yeah. Um, but I think everything, you know, we're kind of coming into this idea of moderation. And I think as we get into the holidays, uh, there might, with stress and anxiety and depression, um, that's something where moderation comes in. Um, you know, we always talk about people gaining weight and the COVID-15 and all this, but holidays could also cause people to overeat, overdrink and, and really look, celebrate the holidays, but you don't have to overdo it. Um, one of the other things is moderation, whether it's social media, uh, food, drinking, um, you know, setting a budget, um, I think a lot of people will have a budget this year, but set a budget to avoid overspending. You don't need to spend tons of money on gifts. Uh, be practical this year. Okay. We One don't think we've done over the last, uh, I don't know, 10 years with our, our kids is we have spent less on stuff and more on experiences. Like every year we try to do something where we take them someplace. I mean, our kids are grown and out of the house mm-hmm. now, but they still look back at, I think it was about 10 years ago, we went to to Lake Placid, New York, the week after Christmas. I mean, the mm-hmm. day after Christmas, we were driving up to Lake Placid. It was 10 below zero, two feet of snow in a, you know, kind of a small little hotel room. They still look back at that and says that, Dad, that was the best vacation ever. We were only there for four days and they don't remember a thing we gave them that year. Yeah. But they remember that. Yeah. Because it basically comes down to you can have the fanciest toy, but they're playing with the box. Yeah. And that's really what, you know, it's the experience. And, um, you know, just like all these people with the theme parks and stuff and sometimes a petting zoo or doing some experience that um, is more worthwhile uh, is really what um, what the kids want, what, what really will bring the family together. And you don't have to spend a lot of money. No. I mean, you can go hiking together and things like that. You're not thinking about all the pressure you're just being there in the moment and that's so important you know I, that's something that i've really had to work on because i i tend to you know be attached to my phone and mm-hmm. and i've really tried hard to work at being present you know when i'm in the room with someone uh, i mean pre-covid when i was going out to dinner with someone you know this stayed in my pocket i did not get it out and lay it on the table just because I didn't want, you know, every time it goes off to be looking at it because that devalues the person I'm meeting with, Mm -hmm. the person I'm talking to. And so I've really had to work and it's still a work in progress where, you know, I'm, I really want to be here for the person I'm talking to and meeting with. And I think that is so important that it makes me feel better. And I know it makes the person that I'm meeting with feel better about me. Yeah. And I think um, that's another thing, too, when we talk about moderation uh, holidays, um, if you can um, give yourself a, a holiday on your phone, um, take breaks from your phone, take just go away from it, yeah. put it on mute, hit that little switch and, and just walk away. 
<laughs> well, uh, yeah, unless you have immersion phone calls or you're on call or something. Sure. Um, but yeah, it's not, you know, stuff is not necessarily going to end. Uh, now, if you're waiting on a call or something, it's different, but um, it really comes down to moderation. We, I think the, the phones are good, but they, um, they tend to really tether us to our lives. So we're not getting away from, um, we're not really de- detaching. And if, you, if you're not detaching, you're constantly on and being constantly on is uh, very problematic. So what would you say to those first responders who may be healthy, but they're seeing a coworker, seeing someone who's struggling? What should they do? How can they reach out? Well, I think the first thing is, uh, and I actually do a whole course on this about, um, how to talk to somebody who might be struggling. Um, uh, how do you, how do you do that is, uh, the first thing is, is to talk to them. Now, uh, a lot of cops out there know what the four letter word is. Uh, when you ask, ask them how they're doing, they'll say, fine, fine. Everything's good. I'm fine. And when things aren't fine, um, and, you know, opening that conversation. And even if the person tells you, Hey, leave me alone. I don't want to deal with this now. You know, they may be contemplating something. They may be thinking about taking their own life and they may not, you know, just you talking to them can help prevent that. So four days later, they come and they tell you, Oh, you know what? I was thinking about harming myself, but you know what? I I need some help. And you asked me and I need to talk with you, but that was four uh, sunrises and sunsets that they saw rather than uh, ignoring the situation and not talking to the person where the person feels alone. Uh, How do we make sure a person doesn't feel alone as we reach out to them And, 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 you know, keeping in mind, that it doesn't take much to ask somebody how they're doing, um, to just talk with them and say, Hey, I've noticed you're not kind of together. You know, you're standoffish. You're not with us. Uh, you've had some, uh, you know, it looks like you're having some struggles and stuff. How's everything going? Uh, it doesn't take much. And, And this also goes for people who are doing well. You know, a lot of times people can go and they're happy. They're uh, having a great time. And we just don't see that they may be suffering inside the guy who might be struggling with a number of life issues. And, you know, he's had some life issues, but he's doing his job and going to work and, and, and going through the motions, so to speak. That's the guy we want to check in with too. Uh, our, you know, our happy friends or uh, friends that look like they got it all going on. Um, you know, who's, who's taking care of them, especially the ones that are taking care of us. Uh, it's the go-to person all the time. We're going to check it with, check on that go-to person because, um, they also have to have somebody as a springboard. Uh, yeah. The holiday times can often be a time when they feel alone, especially if they're single, they don't have maybe family close by. It can be a really lonely time. And I think that's a great time to reach out. And it's a good excuse to reach out to in a, in a more of a softer way that, hey, you know, I'm thinking about you. It's Christmas. It's, you know, I'm going to reach out, see how you're doing. Well, yeah, because especially this year, we're seeing depression, suicide, anxiety rates going through the roof. We're going to see an increased heightened risk of this uh, going into uh, the holidays uh, as we're midway through the holiday season right now. Um, we're, we're seeing those rates uh, sp- spiking. We're seeing increased um, alcohol, drug consumption, uh, and, and it's harder to get people into treatment because some of the treatment centers are closed because of COVID. Uh, and, and so some of the resources are limited or, ta- or taxed uh, as well. So um, this is where 
being a person, you know, checking in on people, working with them, helping them out as much as possible uh, can really be beneficial. What can someone do if they, you know, the new year is often a time when we have a new start, when we have a new beginning and we, we make commitments, you know, to work out, we make other commitments. What can people do mental health wise to say, hey, in this new year, I want to I want to have a plan for this. How, what's, what should people be thinking about? Well, you know what? I, I cringe when I hear about New Year's resolutions um, because it's, you know, I always joke around and say my resolution is not to do a resolution because um, it's really when people do those resolutions, it's trying to take this big chunk. I'm going to change my whole life. Okay. If you must do some kind of change, do something very minimal, do something small that that can get results. Um, you know what? I'm going to organize my closet. I'm going to, you know, limit myself on Facebook, uh, to five days a week instead of seven. Um, you know, do something where you can give, get yourself, you know, you'll hit that goal. Uh, you'll get a reward that way. And then that can open the, uh, the door to other things. Uh, you know, everyone says, Oh, uh, you know, I'm gonna lose 40 pounds. Well, how about you just start out with a couple five, uh, and be realistic about it. Uh, maybe it's not even the weight. Maybe, you know, you want to, you want to cut weight, stop drinking sodas, both diet and sugary sodas, diet ones aren't good for you either. Um, cut out the sodas, increase your water consumption. Something you can do that's tangible. Okay. That is, that is so true. In fact, uh, my wife is a good example of that <laughs> here. She's you know, a Southern girl. She grew up in South Carolina. So sweet tea was the thing, you know, and up until this year. So here about maybe five, six months ago, she started making her sweet tea, still making it, but making it with honey mm -hmm. and just not making a big picture of it. Just making it one cup at a time. Mm -hmm. She's dropped probably 10 pounds. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Just from that small little change of mm -hmm. not putting sugar in it anymore, mm -hmm. using honey. Uh, honey is a very natural sweetener. Um, a lot of uh, a lot of doctors will recommend the, those types of sweeteners. The artificial sweeteners uh, can be problematic that you see in the diet sodas because they actually increase our appetite. And so it has the negative effect. So uh, we all laugh at the person ordering that big pizza with a Diet, a diet Coke. Well, that's, you know, it, it's not really a, a joke because they wind up overeating. And, um, you know, diet sodas don't make you lose weight. I, you know, a big challenge to everybody out there. Um, cut down your diet soda, your soda consumption. You'll see so, some weight drop. Um, go with, you know, iced tea with lemon, coffee, uh, you know, uh, black coffee. Go with um, more water. If you if you need something in your water, drop some uh, slices of orange, cucumber, lemon in it. Uh, those are good, healthy ways and good hydration. Good way to hydrate, especially for uh, our cops out there, first responders. Something that you know you got something. Get a get a big sixty four ounce uh, container and uh, you know uh, just be drinking from that. Uh, just have water in your car. You know that's that's a healthier drink. So you know. I think these are some issues that all of us face in some way, but I think for our first responders, it's, it tends to be a little bit more of an acute issue. Yeah. And, and so I think that what can we do as civilians to help our first responders? What, what kind of things should we be doing to encourage, to support them? What, what can we do? Well, I, I would think that, you know, I, I would, I would encourage people not to get behind false narratives. 
because there's a ton of those false narratives going on right now. Um, and I, I will say this police, uh, are not the problem. Um, it, it, it is, you know, you're looking at generations uh, of policies, of pol- political parties, and, and and so many socioeconomic variables that are not, you know, going to. You can't just pinpoint it one thing. And so, I would say support our first responders, uh, EMS, fire, especially our police officers. Uh, know that they are loved. Know that they are uh, respected. Um. You know, don't fall into that narrative. Um, you know, this year, um, you know, if you can drop drop off some dr- drop off some things. You know, um, uh, whether it's baked goods or you know, pick up a tray of cookies or you know, we're talking about healthy stuff. I know, but um, pick up you know, hey, pick up some a uh, few boxes of gr- uh, healthy. Uh, Nature Valley granola bars or something, something, energy bars, whatever, drop them off at your local uh, police department. Um, You know, just uh, even even a Christmas card and say, hey, we notice you guys have, you know, uh, thank you for what you do. Even a simple thank you. Um, You know, uh, just take care of ourselves, take care of each other, take care of the people that are taking care of us. Um, you know, they're doing a hell of a job out there. They're doing a hard job. Um, crime doesn't necessarily go away in, in a, uh, during a, uh, during this COVID crisis. So they're, they're under stress, uh, with COVID with the normal stress of the job and the holiday season. Uh, so, you know, let's just, remember that and, and, and try to take care of uh, each and other. You have families too. Oh yeah. A lot of them do that. They want to go home to, and, and, you know, and, you know, we all have jobs, but in their job, they, t- they do take it uh, uh, more seriously because their job is to, to protect people. And, but they also know that they're one call away from not seeing their family again. Um, so how many jobs do you have? out there that, you know, you can, you can go to work at 8am and not come home at, at five, six o'clock at night. Yeah. So, so what, uh, so what, what's in, what's in the plans for you this next year and your, your company and how are you helping first responders? We are, um, we're working on a number of things. Uh, a couple of things I can't, I can't really talk about right now, but there's a number of prevention efforts, uh, that are being planned, uh, for, uh, first responders, um, uh, suicide prevention efforts, as well as uh, a couple of um, uh, co-partnerships uh, that we're working on uh, that will hopefully come to fruition. Um, you know, we're, training uh, and development and workshops. Some of that's going to be a struggle this year or next year, uh, I should say, because of budgetary restraints. A lot of overtime has been used, um, even beyond the defund the police thing. Uh, you know, we just see. Uh, so many different uh, bail reforms and stuff. And a lot of the bail reforms directly hit the training budget because that's where they get the training money from. So um, it's just, um, you know, I'm always open to new ideas and new um, um, new partnerships and such. So um, just working on that kind of thing. And then uh, just uh, continuing to do a lot of the CIT trainings, a lot of wellness training and whatever department is open to it. Uh, um, if we can travel again, otherwise I've been doing some Zoom stuff. Uh, some webcasts uh, for people. Uh, so that, that's been very helpful. 
What's the best way for someone to reach reach out to you? Uh, best way to reach out is to go to my website, um, C3 uh, Education and Research. Um, you can also reach out. Give me a call directly, um, uh, 708-764-5180. Uh, that's 708-764-5180. Reach out to me directly and, um, you know, let me uh, let me know uh, what you need or how I can help you. Well, Nick, thank you for coming on the show today. Thank you mm-hmm. for your time and your expertise. And I wish you a very Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. Oh, you too. And uh, hope that uh, we have a better 2021, right? <laughs> Hopefully. Thanks, Nick, for joining us on this day to talk about holiday stress. I know it's, uh, I've sensed it in my own life in uh, not only this year, but in years past. So it's great to talk about that and to deal with it properly as we go through the holiday season. Coming up next week, we have another very special guest. Ernest Stevens is joining us. You may know him if you've seen the documentary, Ernie and Joe. They were featured in an HBO documentary that uh, won all kinds of awards and and acclaim around the country. So Mr. Stevens is a police officer with his partner, Joe, in San Antonio Police Department, and they are part of a 10-person mental health unit in San Antonio. And they are putting compassionate policing practices into action. The, 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 The film, Ernie and Joe, chronicles their daily encounters with people in crisis, shows their innovative approach to policing, which takes mental health into account and is having a dramatic effect on the way police respond to these challenges. So Ernest is going to be with us next week for a very special interview right here on First Responder Friday. Be sure to tune in and make sure you join us for that conversation. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Thanks for being part of our community here on First Responder Friday. I look forward to bringing you more and more of these programs as we go throughout the the new year and as we go throughout uh, producing this documentary film. And uh, so please be sure to check back with us to see who all is going to be on the show coming up in the new year. Have a great day. God bless.